That last girl is my favorite. She's just like, hey, I'm not going to pretend I can't wait. I'm eating it now and I'm out of here. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would, please. For those of you that I've not had the opportunity of meeting, my name is Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perrin North Merida Campus and Canton Campus. I'm usually out here with you about once a month. I wasn't able to be with you last month, so uh, I've missed you guys. I'm glad to be with you uh, here today. I know at this campus and our Merida campus, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer together and talking about what that means in our lives. And we're going to finish that up here today. And to start us off, I want us to just recite the Lord's Prayer together. It'll be on the screen. Let's just read it out loud together, please. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. Father God, we thank you for your presence. Father, we thank you that... You're here with us to lead and guide and direct, to speak to our hearts and to comfort us and to meet our needs. Father, I pray that this prayer and the portion of the prayer that we're focusing on today would truly become a living reality in our lives. Father, I invite you to enable me to share what needs to be shared in the way you want it shared, that it really touches our lives, but even more so changes our lives. Father, help us to really now better understand what it means to be tempted and what it means to overcome by your power and might. For your praise and glory now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord's Prayer really should be called the Disciples' Prayer. Because it's the prayer that Jesus Christ gave to his followers. And more than a prayer to be just recited and quoted, which is fine as we just did, it's really a model prayer. It's a prayer to guide us. All the elements of a healthy, vibrant prayer life are contained in that prayer to guide us in praying. But even more than just a model prayer, I call it the living prayer. Because the truths and the values and the principles that are espoused within that prayer are really to be incorporated into our lives every single day. And really that prayer is the way of life That God has prepared and planned for each one of us to live. When you look at the first half of that prayer, it focuses on God. In fact, you might say the primary word of the first half of the prayer is your. Hallowed be your name, God. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done. It centers us and focuses on God. The second half of that prayer, I guess you could describe it with the word us. Give us this day. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. And really this prayer gives us the right perspective and priority of life. This prayer keeps our lives right side up. Because it centers us where we need to be centered. And that's centered in Him. And when we find ourselves upside down in our lives, often it's because we're focusing on ourselves or something other than God. And this prayer re-centers us. This prayer gets us back on track, that we have this all-everything, incredible, indescribable God 
whose name is above every name, and that of all the names that want to be something, of all the names in the world that want to exalt themselves, His name is above every name, and His name is to be worshipped, and it's His kingdom that is coming, and it's His will that really matters. Of all the wills on earth, it's His will that matters the most. And we focus on this indescribable, all-everything, infinite God, and then, man, the prayer shifts, and this all-everything God Steps into our world. And he's the one that cares about the most significant and smallest details of our lives. You're the one that provides my daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. You're the one that forgives me of my sins and pardons me and enables me to forgive others. And you know what? You're the one that gives me the perseverance in difficult times. And gives me the power by which I can overcome temptation. We're focusing on that part of the prayer this morning. Lead us not into temptation. And when that becomes a real prayer of our lives, and it really becomes the outlook of our lives, there's there's two basic takeaways that I believe this, this portion of this prayer is saying to us, and I'm going to give you these takeaways right now, and then that's basically what we're going to talk about the rest of our time together. When we're talking about lead us not and living there, it's basically saying this, evil is a predator and I'm the prey. But evil is defeated and God is the victor. Hear that again. Evil is a predator and I'm the prey, but evil is defeated and God is the victor. Now, when we first look at this portion of the prayer, it really seems rather odd because it's almost like we're saying, God, don't tempt me to sin. It's it's like we're saying, you know, God, I know you're the one that tempts us, but lean me not into that place of being tempted of sin by you. But, but that can't be what it's praying at all. Because that flies right in the face of the nature of God. He's not evil. He doesn't entertain evil. And he can't tempt anyone to evil. James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He writes in his letter to the New Testament. He talks about this very idea. And I'm not going to talk about this long. Because next Sunday, we're going to begin a new series here at this campus. Pastor Jeremy's going to begin that series in our Merida campus. Looking at the book of James, the blueprint of life, the nut bolt, the the nut bolts of how to really live life. Well, James says this about being tempted by God. In James 1 verse 13, he says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God is not the one that tempts us to evil. So when we look at this prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What are we really talking about there? Well, that's where we got to look at this word temptation in the Greek. Because depending on the context, that word temptation in the Greek can mean two different things. It can mean to be enticed and lured to sin, to do evil. That's the neg- negative aspect. But then there's a positive aspect. It can mean the idea of testing. The idea of being tested to become better, to, to improve us, to, to better strengthen us and equip us. That's the, the positive side of it. So depending on the context tells us what this word really means. When we look at this portion of the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're not certain of the context all that well. However, here's what we do know. Here's what we do know. We do have an evil one who does prey on us. To allure us and entice us to sin. And this portion of the prayer acknowledges this evil one. And this evil one exists. And this evil one in the scriptures is called by the common name of Satan. In fact, he has a lot of names. 
His common name is Satan, and that means adversary. The second most common name of this evil one is the devil, and that means slanderer. Other names that he's called by, the prince of demons. He's called a thief. He's called a destroyer. He's called the father of lies. He's called a murderer. He's called the God of this age. He's called the prince of the air. And when we hear these titles for this evil one that exists, he's not somebody we want to associate with. He's not somebody we really want to tangle with. And this prayer is letting us know and reminding us, hey, there is a predator out there. There is an evil one, this Satan, this devil, who wants to prey upon us and lure us in to this place of sin. His original name, we believe, is Lucifer. And we find that in Isaiah chapter 14. And I encourage you, read chapter 14 of Isaiah on your own sometime. It talks about this being called Lucifer. And we believe that he was actually an angel of God. He was one of God's most beautiful, most powerful angels in the angelic realm. But then he wanted to be God. The scripture says that pride was found within him and he wanted to be God. He believed he could do a better job than God. So he led a rebellion with a third of the angels in heaven to try to overthrow God. But obviously he was no match for God. God put down the rebellion and cast this Lucifer out of heaven and the fallen angels with him. And that's the demonic realm that we have today at work in this earth. And this Lucifer became our adversary. And that's how sin and evil entered into the spiritual realm. But Lucifer had failed, but he didn't quit. He turned his sights on God's most prized possession. And that's you and me. He came after us. We're the height of God's creation. We're the crown of his glory. We're the apple of his eye. We're made in his image and no other part of creation is. And God told us, he said, you don't listen to any other voices. You follow me. You obey me. You follow me and you walk with me and everything is going to be fine. But as soon as you turn to turn to start following other voices, you start turning to other powers. That's when death is going to come. And we see in Genesis three, this Satan, this adversary, this slanderer, tempted us, we followed him and walked away from God and evil and sin came into this world and all the suffering and all the pain and the anguish of death that we experienced throughout a given day and lifetime was the result. You see, God didn't make evil and God didn't create sin. Evil is an intruder. It's an invader. And we brought it in. As we partnered with this enemy in his rebellion against God. We do have this evil one that is a predator who likes to prey on us. And this prayer is the reminder of the evil one that is out there. But then what does it mean when we say, Lord, don't lead us into temptation? If, if you don't lead us, God, into the place of sin, and we know that this enemy wants to, then what do we mean when you're saying, Lord... Don't lead us into temptation. Well, that takes us to the other part of what this word means. The idea of testing. The idea of coming into some challenging places in our lives that God will use to better us, to improve us, to strengthen us and to bring out our best. To bring out his best in us. James, once again, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, talks about this idea of testing that God allows us to go through, or He Himself may lead us into. In James 1, again, verses 2 through 4. If you look there with me, please. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Well, 
How in the world can I consider a trial a joy? How can I consider that a pleasure? Because of what he says next. Because you know that the testing of your faith, say testing. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's that other word or the other translation or meaning of this same word temptation. This testing of the faith, this testing of where you are in God. See, a pure test, a real test is designed to show our strength in a certain body of knowledge. Now, we've misused testing. We've used it to try to fail people, to show people what they don't know. But the pure meaning of testing is to help a person see where they are strong, how they can better themselves in a particular body of knowledge. And when God allows testing in our lives or walks us through testing, it's about helping us to see where we are. What's our faith capacity? Where are we in this walk with him? How can we begin to even get better? He says, because, you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And look what he says, let perseverance finish its work. So what? That you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And it seems what this prayer is, is that God, if you don't have to take me through a testing place, great. That would be awesome. But if you have to lead me through a place of testing, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk with you. But God, I also recognize there is an evil one who wants to prey upon me and sabotage what you're trying to do in my life. So as I'm in that testing place, Lord, protect me from this evil one who wants to undermine and sabotage what you're doing. See, that's that's in essence what this prayer is. God, you're my victor in this. You're you're the one that helps me to overcome when this enemy wants to sabotage what you're doing. I want everything you're doing in my life, even in the testing places, to produce all that you want done. You give me the strength to persevere and you give me the protection from this evil one that preys upon me. It recognizes the constant tension we live in. When we live in this place of lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. It, it, it acknowledges the very tension we live in every day. The tension of I'm walking with God who is my victor and he's leading me. And when he leads me even in tough places, I'm very much aware there's an enemy that is right there to undermine. There's an interesting statement in the book of Matthew. It's right after Jesus Christ has been baptized. It's the beginning of his public ministry. Matthew chapter 3. He's baptized in this amazing picture of the Trinity, we call it. Jesus Christ is baptized and there he stands as God in the flesh. And then it says that the heavens open up and this dove descends and rests upon his shoulder. The dove was the representation of the Holy Spirit. And then we hear this voice from heaven, which is God the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Confirming who Jesus Christ is. This beautiful picture of the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there. In the very next verse, beginning of the very next chapter of Matthew 4, verse 1, there's an amazing statement. That I think epitomizes this idea of lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Who led Jesus? Who led him? Big S, Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. Wilderness is a place of testing. Look at this. To be tempted by who? The devil. 
There's the tension we live in every day. Jesus Christ knows this tension. The Holy Spirit, God himself, leads Jesus into the wilderness, into this place of testing. To even better him to be the savior of the world. But while he's doing that work, there is an enemy, the devil, who is there to try to lure Christ into sin. And it shows us this tension. And we acknowledge that we live in that tension. When we say, lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil. God, I acknowledge there is an evil one who's a predator who's after me. But I also acknowledge you have the power in me to overcome whatever the enemy would try to do. To sabotage what you're doing in my life. Now, here's something we got to understand. When I talk about the idea that we're the prey, that he preys on us, we don't need to get the idea that that means that I'm some helpless weakling that has no power in any of this that's going on. That I've sort of gotten caught between this cosmic battle of good versus evil. And I'm just kind of being knocked around until these guys figure out what's going to happen. No, 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 no. This is a very humble place to live. It's a very humble prayer to pray. Because when I'm saying, lead us not into temptation. Lord, I know there's trials. I'm not strong enough to walk through those trials. I need you. I know you're leading me there. And I know there's an evil one. When I recognize that and I'm acknowledging that, you know what I'm saying? Lord, I'm a very willing participant often in what the enemy wants me to do. That, that this isn't something that you know, hey, I, I, I'm weak. I, I can't. I, there's nothing I can do about this. You know, I'm just helpless in all this. No, 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 no. I recognize that I often am a very willing participant when the enemy is tempting me. I, I make it easy often for the enemy to prey upon me. You know, it's the it's the marshmallow sitting right there in front of me. You know, it's just like these kids. We're, we're how, how close technically can I get to this marshmallow without crossing the line of sin? I'm going to smell it. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to nibble on it. I'm going to just kind of squeeze it between my teeth. I'm going to even eat around it and sit it back in the air. I am a very willing participant. When the enemy comes along. And this is an acknowledgement. That I, I don't have what it takes. I, I crumble easily. And I need your protection. It's, it's like the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were brothers. They were the sons of Adam and Eve. They brought sacrifices to God. And God had already shown the sacrifices that he would receive. And Abel brought the sacrifices that... God would receive. Cain brought a different sacrifice and God didn't receive it. And Cain got angry. He got angry with God. He got angry with Abel. He got jealous of Abel. And, and the Lord is trying to test Cain. He's trying to help Cain see the right way. And, and, and Cain is rebelling against him. And Cain is plotting to kill Abel. And this is what God said to him in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7. He says this. If you do what is right, he's talking to Cain. Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, look at this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. He's saying, he said it to Adam and Eve. He said, it's right there. 
But if you'll keep your eyes on me, if you'll stand with me, if you'll walk with me, you'll overcome that. And see, when we live in this place of lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil, we're saying, I, I take ownership. I take ownership. See, the tendency for so many of us, what we see in our culture today, it's somebody else's fault. We love to play victim in a lot of our own sinning. We love to play victim in a lot of our own wrongdoing, and we don't take responsibility. They made me do it. It was the devil that did it. God, if you had been there, this person, that person, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. After they sinned, go look and read it in Genesis 3. God comes and looks at the, looks at the, at the, uh, the man and says, what have you done? And what did he say? That woman you gave me. And men have been saying that ever since. That woman you gave me. He looks at the woman. What did you do? What did she say? That serpent you created. It's everybody else's fault. The place of healing and victory and overcoming and deliverance. The sin in my life where the evil wants to work is for me to admit (laughs) I am a very willing participant. And I need you. I need you. God, there's a predator who wants to prey on me and I make it easy for him. But I acknowledge you've defeated him. And you're my victory. That's where I'm going to live. Now by acknowledging there is this evil one. It doesn't mean we walk around in fear all day long. It doesn't mean we walk around with hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. It doesn't mean we close ourselves up in some dark room and, and cower down hoping no evil comes. It doesn't mean we walk around in fear of evil. But we walk around in awareness and respect of it. We know that it's there. We know what it can do. It's not a matter of living in fear of it. It's in respect and awareness of it. In fact, I think the most beautiful picture to me of this lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is Psalm 23. One of the most classic Psalms. Even if a person doesn't go to church very much, even if they don't even walk with God at all, Psalm 23 is a Psalm that many people have heard. And I really think it captures this picture of what this portion Of this prayer is all about. Psalm 23. We all know it. But let's just walk through it together here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. I shall not be in need. The shepherd will provide my needs. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads sheep. If you look at a shepherd. A shepherd doesn't drive sheep. Shepherd isn't behind the sheep. Driving them. The shepherd is in front. The shepherd leads sheep. As David writes this. He's seeing God as this shepherd. Who leads his people. Look what it says. I shall not be in want. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Everything I need. He leads me to it. He leads me to the place. The green pastures. The water. Everything I need. He takes me there. He, He supplies it to me. He leads me to those places. And then the next part. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He's going to lead me in the places of purity, the places of holiness, the places that are good, the places that are wholesome, the places that are healthy, his places. 
He's going to lean me there. I can trust him. He's leaning me to the places that are going to give me the greatest health and wholeness in my life. Emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. But then look at this next part. In this leading me in these places. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now get the picture here. What's David saying? You're my leaner. You're the one that takes me wherever I go. I'm following you. And you lead me to the places that I need. But you know what? In some of those places that you're leading me to, you may have to take me through a valley of the shadow. You may have to take me through a place of testing. I've had the opportunity of going to Israel on many occasions. There's a place I love to visit. It's referred to as the valley of the shadow. But it's in the the area where there would have been a great deal of shepherds at the time of David. And in the hillsides, they're beautiful hillsides, but they have deep like ravines between them. And down in these ravines, there's, there's water running and there's plush grass and there's beautiful greenery. But you know what? When the sun hits it just right on those ravines, it casts a huge dark shadow. And oftentimes shepherds to get the sheep from one mountaintop to another mountaintop have to lead them down through that valley. And you know what would be found in those valleys? Wild animals would be found in those valleys. Bandits would be found in those valleys. Thieves would be found in those valleys. Unsavory people waiting to pounce. Predators waiting to pounce. And that's what David understood. And I love what it says. Lead us not. or, 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 or Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does it say? I will fear no evil. Say that with me. I will fear no evil. One more time. I will fear no evil. What did it not say? It did not say there will be no evil. said, I will fear no evil. As he leads me to the places he needs me to go to bring the best in my life. That's going to include testing places. And all along those places he's leading me, there is the presence of evil. But I will not be afraid of it. I'm aware of it. Why will I not be afraid of it? For you are with me. Say he's with me. Look at this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Everything I need to overcome, you have provided. Your rod and your staff. Listen, folks, he has given us his spirit. He has given us his word. He has given us one another in community. Everything we need to be able to stand whenever that predator tries to pounce in our lives. And look what it says in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I can be confident even in the presence of my enemies because of what you've prepared for me and how you lead me. And then I love the end of this whole thing. The end of this whole thing. And you know it. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? How long? See, that's where he's leading us, ladies and gentlemen. He's leading us to forever. His house, his place. And there's no valley and there's no predator strong enough, big enough or bad enough to keep him from leading us to where he wants to take us. Why? Because he's the victor. And you and I stand in that victory. And the end of this, put that back up if you would please, Justin. Put that uh, end of Psalm 23 back up for me. What does it say? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's the end of the Lord's prayer? Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory for how long? Forever. If he truly is the leader of our lives, 
We have to know He's leading us to everything that is right and wholesome and good for who we are. But there will be testing places. And I have to be very aware that there is an enemy who wants to prey upon me and my family. But I have a deliverer, a victor, who has defeated him on my behalf. Max Licato, he's one of my favorite writers, speakers, written many, many books. Perhaps you've read some of his stuff. I'm going to invite the, the band if they would come up at this time, please. Those that are going to be serving communion, if you would take your places as well. But he talks about how anything the enemy does, God turns on him. Anything that the enemy tries to intend for evil in our lives, if we let God, God will turn it for good into our lives. And, and Lakato talks about this and he uses it in a basketball metaphor. And this is what he says. Like a confused basketball player, every time Satan scores a basket, the other team gets a point. Over and over again, the Bible makes it clear who really runs the earth. Satan may strut and prance, but it's God who calls the shots. Finally, the devil thought he had scored on the right end of the court. And not only had he scored, he had slam-ducked the MVP and left him lying on the floor. Talking about the crucifixion of Christ. But all of a sudden, there was a light in the tomb and a rumbling of the rock. Then Friday's tra tragedy emerged as Sunday's savior. And Satan knew he'd once again be a tool in the hand of the gardener. All the time he thought he was defeating heaven, he was helping heaven. God wanted to prove his power over sin and death. And that's exactly what he did. Once again, Satan's layup became a foul up. Only this time, he didn't give heaven some points. He gave heaven the championship game. You and I have a risen champion who champions every cause in our lives. And there's not an evil one. I don't care how many names he has. I don't care how many demons and fallen angels serve him. Jesus Christ has conquered them all. And if I will walk with him, knowing that I am very weak, that I am a willing participant in what the enemy would try to do in my life. But in God's strength and power, I can overcome. And all the best that God has for me will take place in my life. I have a risen champion. This is what lead us not means. This. This. Justin, are you back there? I lost my wingman. It means this. Evil is a predator. I'm the prey. But evil is defeated. And God's the victor. We're going to take communion. These elements are the evidence that evil exists. That juice represents the blood of Jesus. That wafer represents the body that was beaten and battered and torn to pieces for you and me. See, Jesus Christ turned himself over to evil. He didn't become evil. He didn't sin. That's not my point. He let evil kill him. 
so that by the very blood that he shed and by the very body that was wounded, that he let evil do to him, you and I might be set free. That evil might be defeated. When we partake of these elements in just a moment, we're saying, Lord, boy, I see the test that you had to go through. I see the place of difficulty you had to walk in. And I know you lead me in places such as this. But because you did this, I can overcome. I have the victory. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray in the next few moments, the presence and power of your Spirit who abides in this place, do the work that needs to be done. I pray for those that find themselves in very difficult places right now, maybe wondering where you are, maybe wondering if you're the one that really led them there and they, they, did they go there themselves. I pray for those that really find themselves just feeling very battered by the enemy, very pushed and pulled. I pray for those that feel very maybe guilt-ridden because of the sin they know that really exists in their life. But I pray these next few moments through this communion and through this worship by your Spirit, there would be a great sense of overcoming and victory that only you can provide. For your praise, glory, and honor now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please hold the elements till everyone is served. God, there's one deliverer. And you're it. By the life, death, burial, resurrection of Christ, we can stand in victory over the enemy. And we can stand given of our sins. Father, we acknowledge here today it's by the blood shed on the cross, by the pierced, beaten body of Christ that we're made whole, we're forgiven, we're delivered, and we're free. We admit we sin. We admit we're easy prey also admit that you are God who loves us, cares for us, watches over us, and empowers us to be more than conquerors through your Son, Jesus Christ. By these elements today, we make that declaration. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. Let's partake of the bread. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink all of it. This is my blood that has been shed for the remission of sins. It's the blood of the new covenant. Let's partake of the cup. Jesus said, I'll not drink this again with you until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. You're someone out there and you say, you know what, Pastor? I know there's an enemy. He's a predator. 
And I know I make it easy sometimes for him to prey on me. But Lord, I know I have a victor in Jesus Christ. And that enemy is a defeated foe in my life. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to stand to your feet. And if you're comfortable, which I believe most of you are going to be, can we just lift our hands to him in thanksgiving and in praise and in adoration and in presentation of ourselves to him that he is the overcomer in our lives. Just worship him. Glorify him. You are our deliverer. You are our defender. You are the one who leads and guides and directs. There's no power of the enemy that's greater than you. You overcome so we can overcome. And we give you praise. Put your hands together and give him praise in his house.